Good morning. Good morning. It is so good to be in worship with you all today. Uh, we are grateful that for all of you to come here, to come into this place, to tune in online, and for us to have the opportunity to worship God together. Uh, my name is Taylor Pride Barefoot, and I am so delighted to be one of your pastors here, and I'm up front with my friend and colleague, Nathan Arledge. And what a joy it is that we get to be in this space together, whether this is your first time or your hundredth or more than that. Um, it's a joy to know that you've chosen to be here, that you've selected this time to be in community. So whether you're joining us online or you're here with, with us in the sanctuary, we invite you to find the hospitality pad to just let us know that you are with us. Um, and also, if there's anything that we might be able to do with and for you in your journey, um, growing closer to God as we grow closer in community. You'll find in your bulletin many things to get engaged in the life of our church. So take a moment to look through that and find yourself saying yes to how God is moving in your spirit. Now let's continue this time of worship.
continue to joyfully worship together as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed found on 881 of your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As some of you may know, last weekend during Western North Carolina Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church, our very own Pastor Taylor was commissioned as Full Connection Elder within the United Methodist Church. Uh, that, yes. It's a culmination of decade-long journey that she's been on, where she's gone through different entities who affirmed her and confirmed her call into the ministry. But as we said earlier, it's not just the last 10 years. It's a call that culminated that she's had all of her life. So I placed this stall upon her as a symbolism of God's call upon her life to continue to lead the life of the church and God's people. So we join me as printed in our bulletin, the celebration of ordination prayer. Let's pray together. Almighty God, may the grace of ministry rest upon your servant, and may the opportunity to serve lead her into the fullness of your calling. Clothe her with your righteousness, and grant that she may glorify you by giving herself to others. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Pastor Taylor, we are so grateful and proud of you. May God continue to lead you and guide you as you grow in love with God and as you continue to lead and love God's people. Amen.
Let us continue to join our voices and our hearts together as we confess before one another unto God with our prayer of confession. Let us pray. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us toward you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Genesis chapter 21, beginning with the 8th verse. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom had born, who had born to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is of your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. As she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba, when the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. She then went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about a distance of a bowshot, for she said, Do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? But do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran with his mother, got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to Thank you, Jamie, for that scripture reading. But for this sermon, we actually have to start a couple chapters back. The first time we hear of Hagar, which is in Genesis 16. Hagar is Sarai's maid, and Hagar gets brought into this narrative because Sarai is consumed by her own desperation due 
to the fear brought on by her infertility and inability to provide an heir. She has this promise from God to have more descendants than stars in the sky and so far has nothing to show for it. So in her desperation, Sarai gives Abram her maid, Hagar, to bear a child. For Sarai, her inability to have children brought up a tremendous amount of shame and insecurity. Her worth in this society was tied to an ability to bear a child, and she couldn't. But her maid could. Her insecurity and jealousy over Hagar's ability to bear children caused Sarai to turn on Hagar. Sarai treat, treat, treats Hagar horribly, reminding her that she still has power over her, and Sarai makes sure that Hagar won't mistake her ability to bear a child as equality and kinship with her. Sarai's abuse toward Hagar is so bad that Hagar chooses to run into the wilderness as a pregnant runaway slave in a foreign land rather than to stay in the home of her mistress. Womanist theologian Renita Weems points out that as readers, we can't even begin to attempt to understand the degree of suffering she must have been experiencing to run away. And stories like this are not contained to Genesis. Victims of abuse in homes and marriages over and over again have chosen the wild unknown over one more day of abuse. Hagar, like many, could not take the abuse at the hand of Abram and Sarai any longer. As Hagar runs into the wilderness, she finds a spring and stops for a drink. And it is there she encounters God. God tells her of the son she will bear and that she will have generations of descendants. Now this is an unexpected development. After all, Genesis is the story of our great patriarch of our faith. The covenant promise is supposed to be between God and Abraham. And God, Abraham and Sarah are supposed to be ancestors of innumerable descendants. Yet this story is about Hagar. This story is not about God comforting an insecure Sarah. This story is about an enslaved woman in the wilderness. God chooses to meet Hagar. It is Hagar God meets in the wilderness, and God writes this foreign slave woman into the narrative of God's people. And surprisingly similar to the promise we have heard before, God tells Hagar that her son will have innumerable descendants. The foreign runaway slave is written into the story of God's people and embraced by God in her most desperate hour. Hagar receives this prophecy from God and responds, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen El Roy. We are 16 chapters into Genesis, and this is the first time that we know the name of God. Hagar is the first person in all of Scripture to name God. Hagar is the first person in Scripture to have seen God so fully that she knows God's name. 
And the name that God offers is Elroy, which means the God who sees. She is seen in her pain. She is seen in her anguish. She is seen in her needs. God meeting Hagar in the wilderness doesn't make Hagar's life any easier. She is still suffering. She is still in pain. But God sees her. Anyone who has experienced the gift of feeling seen in their pain knows that this is good news. Because we remember, we remember the widow that says the perfect thing to us when we are in the wake of our partner's death, when everyone else didn't know what to say. Or the nurse who sees us in that hospital room when no one else really understood how you were feeling. Or the friend who listened to your heartbreak and saw you so fully in that pain. It means something to be seen. Our God sees us even if our situation doesn't change. God blesses her in this seeing, and Hagar returns to Sarai and Abram. And then we hear in this story that Hagar gives birth to Ishmael, and eventually Sarah too gives birth to Isaac. Sarah sees Abraham playing with Ishmael, and she is overcome by her fear and her greed. And so the story replays itself, because the problem has never been Hagar, but Sarah's insecurity. And this ultimately leads to Abraham and Sarah banishing Hagar and Ishmael to the wilderness. Once again, Hagar experiences abuse and rejection at the hands of people of God. Even people pursuing God's covenant make mistakes and hurt people. And once again, this story is known by more than just Hagar. The list of those who have been abused and rejected by the church is long and violent. We have heard the things that we can't be loved unless we repent, that God doesn't choose people like us, or some sins just can't be forgiven. Some of us have known what it feels to be banished. And in the case of Hagar, this banishment was a death sentence. We are told that Hagar's desperation was so great that she left Ishmael under a tree so she wouldn't have to watch him perish. Hagar has found herself in a place that she is all too familiar with. She is lost in the wilderness again. We are told that as she leaves him, she cries and a voice greets her in the wilderness. She hears from an angel, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy. And then we are told that the God who sees has helped Hagar see what she needs to survive. God opens her eyes and she sees a well of water. Hagar's needs are met, Ishmael lives, and God blesses and sustains them in the wilderness. God, Hagar has been abused, afraid, and banished, and filled with despair. 
Her life has taken her into the wilderness not once, but twice. A place where her tears have once again been met with a God who sees. God's providence for Hagar is an act of solidarity for all who have found or find themselves wandering in the wilderness. Those who have been trapped in marriages filled with emotional abuse, belittlement, and isolation. Those who suffer under the weight of racial hierarchies. Those whose sense of self is not safe to be known, loved, or accepted in their community. And all who are tired, tired from their grief, their illness, those that hope feels so far off. Generations of people have found comfort and inspiration in the story of Hagar. Because we worship a God who comforts the powerless, the rejected, the outsider. Even as God is working to accomplish something with the insiders, God is taking care of Hagar. This is who our God is. Because at some point or another, we have all been lost in the wilderness. When we were unseen, unloved, and unknown, God saw us. God heard our cries in our most desperate hours. God led us to the spring of mercy and sustained us. We have known and tasted the sweet assurance of God's love. God has never left us alone in our tear-soaked prayers. We are holding on to the promise that that is our God. And that promise has brought us into this sanctuary today. For some of us to heal, for all of us to experience God. Praise be to God that found us in the wilderness. And that God keeps meeting us again and again. Friends, in a little while, we will share in Holy Communion together. This meal of ordinary bread and ordinary wine will be transformed into a holy meal. Just like a regular pool of water was nothing less than the face of God to Hagar. God meets our greatest thirst and our most desperate hunger with the bread of life and the cup of salvation poured out for all. This is a table for all of us. This table is not just for insiders or those with power. This is a table for all of God's people. No matter where you are in this story or when, where you are in your own faith journey, God sees you and invites you to this place. Let us allow God to open our eyes and see the feast before us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer.
O God of grace, you created our minds to grow in wisdom. You created our hearts to expand with love for you and for your world. You created our voices to sing your praises in all times and places. Fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit so we may worship you in spirit and truth, bold and unafraid to follow Jesus even when challenges confront us. Lord, in your mercy, God of compassion and courage, in our weakness, you are strength. In our sorrows, you are comfort. In our anxiety, you are peace. Lord, we thank you for your embracing presence in our lives. Encircle each situation we lay before you now with your steadfast love. Lord, in your mercy, we thank you, God, for the moments of joy that break into our lives, for love given and received, for friends who furnish our lives with meaning and happiness, and for family who embraces us with love and understanding. We pray for those who cannot feel joy today. We ask, Lord, that you would see them. For any estranged with family or friends, for those feeling stress at the cost of living rises, for those who face grief and losses of any and all kinds, Lord, in your mercy. O oh God of the nations, challenge those who govern to share resources as generous global partners and to commit to international efforts to preserve the earth for future generations. Guide leaders to set fair policies that protect vulnerable groups and ensure equality and dignity for all of your children. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of the beauties of a connectional church is our offerings go to help people around the world. Organizations that the United Methodist Church has, have established like UMCOR, they're there in times of disaster, helping. Today, your gifts, your generosity will touch the lives of somebody in a very difficult situation. And for your gifts and giving, we give you thanks.
Lord, you have given of yourself so freely and fully. Help us who have received your grace to give generously in our turn so we may feel the pleasure of giving as well as the joy of receiving. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. This table is open to all. The unseen, the abused, those in power, and those in the wilderness. You are welcome at this table. In a little bit, we will go through the great Thanksgiving together. We will use the sung responses, which can be found in your bulletin and um, in the hymnal. And we, you will be invited by ushers to come forward. We will serve by intinction, which means you'll be handed a little piece of bread that you can dip in the juice. Uh, you can also come to the kneeling rail and you can receive communion there. We also have gluten-free in packets that you just need to ask for. Um, we are so grateful that we get to be at the Lord's table together. Join me now in the great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you. Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, and so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, and we all partake in the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a means of sharing in the blood of Christ. You may be seated.
It is good to meet at God's table together. Let us close in our prayer after communion, which is found in your bulletin. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. we have met at the table that has quenched our deepest thirst and sustained our deepest hunger. We have encountered the God who sees. Go now with the grace of Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ with you. Mm -hmm.